I've been told my personality can make people uncomfortable. Hey, how to make love all night. Oh, well, you know. I think we're gonna get along pretty well. <laughs> but I've learned that if you plan for every variable, a happy outcome doesn't have to be left to chance. This conversation's going pretty well. Yes. So that's no accident. Everything that's happened today, <laughs> I've rehearsed it. Hey, hi, Nathan. Hi. Dozens of times. Uh, in a replica of your home. This is what we can do for you. You and you. You know, just off the top of my head, I would say, sure, let's go with it. This is going to be fun. It will be. My goal is for your rehearsal to reflect reality. The government has Sasquatch liaisons. I love you, Daddy. With this show, if your performance isn't accurate, you could ruin someone's life. This is all sort of absurd. Keep them crying. Don't let up. Okay. I've got to tell you something. I don't want to talk to you again. Do you find it's been healthy for you here? Mm. Are you sure you want to do this? I don't really like lying to people. You're a liar. Yeah, neither do I. You're Willy Wonka and I'm Charlie Bucket. I'm the bad guy. In well, life. but he's a dream maker. Okay. And you're doing, you're making some dreams happen but for me. But kids died in the factory. Well, they supposedly died. I... I'll, I'll read the book again just to to, to look into it. Yeah. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Duray and Derek Wong. So tonight we are discussing Nathan Fielder's new show on HBO Max titled The Rehearsal, which wrapped up its first season in just six episodes. I think a lot of the show hinges on knowing what it's about, so I think we should give a little synopsis. The official synopsis for The Rehearsal is, Nathan Fielder returns to television for a new series that explores the lengths one man will go to reduce the uncertainties of everyday life. With a construction crew, a legion of actors, and seemingly unlimited resources, Fielder allows ordinary people to prepare for life's biggest moments by rehearsing them in carefully crafted simulations of his own design. When a single misstep could shatter your entire world, why leave it to chance? So the first question I wanted to ask you guys, do you guys have any familiarity with Nathan Fielder? Have you guys seen Nathan for You? I haven't seen Nathan for You. I actually knew nothing about him before uh, watching this show, so I was a complete neophyte. Uh, what about you, Derek? I've seen a handful of episodes of Nathan for You, which I thought always was pretty funny, but I never was pulled into it, right, to like try to catch it week to week. And you definitely get a good sense of his quirkiness, who he is as a person, I think, in that show too, or at least the persona he wants to give off. But the rehearsal is like another level. I mean, I always heard it was good, but I've really only seen clips and memes from uh, Nathan for you. So I think on that show, it's kind of similar to the rehearsal where he goes around to real small businesses to troubleshoot their problems. And like the rehearsal, he comes up with these absurd ideas to help these people in need. But like the two clips circulated all the time are like the sex offender one and the one where like the guy drinks his grandson's pee. Have you ever seen those two clips? No. No, what? They're online all the time, and it's literally like some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. So you haven't seen these two bits. People are posting them on like TikTok and Twitter all the time. So in one episode, Nathan tries to address like all the haters of Nathan for you, where they're like, oh, you never take like personal risks or like real risks on the show. Uh, he's going to tempt a fate much worse than death. So he gathers like a bunch of elementary school kids and he ties himself up 
in like this escape artist configuration. And there's this robot machine arm that's designed to take off his pants and underwear so that if he can't get out of his restraints in time, he'll expose himself <laughs> to a bunch of kids. <laughs> And he also has, like, a police officer standing by, so if he can't get out, he's, like, immediately arrested and, like, <laughs> registered as a sex offender. <laughs> Over the past month, I've been learning how to pick the lock on these police-grade handcuffs. Why, you ask? Because tonight I'm going to take a bigger risk than anyone has ever taken on television before. In just a few moments, I'm going to be handcuffed to this solid steel frame, and I'll have exactly 90 seconds to free myself before the claw on this robotic arm undoes my pants, exposing me to an audience of children. If that happens, an LAPD officer is standing by to arrest me for indecent exposure. We've all seen escape artists risk death before, but tonight, I'm going to risk something even worse, becoming a registered sex offender for life. And what you're gonna see tonight is 100% real. Welcome to Nathan For You. This is the Claw of Shame. Dude, it's fucking wild. I've never seen anything like it. It's interesting because like the Nathan For You stuff was always, you know, he would help out these small businesses with very absurd ideas. And they always weren't like realistic, right? It was at one spectrum of absurd where the rehearsal was at a different kind of spectrum of absurd in a very different way like i would say like if you liked nathan for you i think you could like this too but don't expect him to do the same thing he did in nathan for you right yeah it's not exactly the same i don't know but the other one is fucking hilarious too it's like this gas station owner i think the episode is just called gas station rebate it's this gas station owner and he says he like drinks his grandson's pee and nathan's like why are you drinking your grandson's pee and the guy's like i'm scared And Nathan's like, what do you mean you're scared? And the guy goes, you know, sometimes you're scared for something, so you drink your grandson's pee. And, like, this is probably (laughs) the closest thing I've ever seen to Nathan, like, breaking character. He's like, what are you talking about? It's just, like, (laughs) funniest shit I've ever seen. It's just so fucking funny. I die every time I see that clip. Have you drank your grandson's pee? Yeah. Why? I was scared. What do you mean you were scared? Yeah, sometimes you're scared for for something. What are you talking about? accident or something, you drink the grandson's pee and it's gonna help you. I don't understand. What? Why does it help you if you drink your grandson's pee? That's what they say. Yeah. Who says that? My grandma. Your Long grandma time said ago, yeah. you I drink your grandson's yeah, pee if you get scared. Not grandsons, any little kid. Maybe I have to go back and watch some Nathan Tree now. Maybe you have to watch some of these episodes. I might like go back just because of those two clips and like watching the rehearsal. I, I kind of want to go into Nathan for you, because I I never really did. Yeah. But I do think Nathan Fielder's brand of humor doesn't really cater to a wide range of people. I know, like, on Twitter and, like, social media, people love the rehearsal. But, like, I've recommended the rehearsal to a bunch of people. And they, like, just don't get it at all. When I think it's some of, like, the most hilarious, most genius shit I've ever seen, right? I don't like to traffic in hyperbole. But this shit is, like, on a whole nother level, like you said, Derek. I tried, like, suggesting this to somebody, and they're like, oh, explain it to me. And then I did, and I was like, I sound ridiculous right now. Like, I heard myself, and it sounds stupid, right? But you just have to watch it, because it is, I guess, to, like, just say my piece about it without spoiling anything. Like, 
this may be like my favorite thing I think I've seen this year so far. You know, Same versus here, like any maybe. any movie, any other TV show. Like this is up there, one of my favorite things of 2022. Yeah, I really, really loved it. Yeah, and it's more than the humor too. Mm-hmm. This is maybe the only show where I went in the first episode, like fucking rolling on the floor laughing. To in the middle of the season, I'm like just in awe of the layers of genius of this thing. You know, by like mm-hmm. episodes three and four, and then like the finale just fucking wrecked me. I was like actually crying from the yeah. finale. Mm-hmm. That's how like powerful it was. I don't know. What was your experience, Amir? I just tried out the first episode, kind of on your recommendation. I thought it was really funny, but you guys are right. It gets more and more absurd, and also more and more touching the deeper the season goes. Yes. Yeah. I think I'm too close to it to really evaluate it in terms of, like, was it one of my favorite things of all year? But hearing you guys talk about it is making me think about it more, and it's making me go, oh, wow, this actually is really, really intensely good. But I'm still in a place where I've just seen episode yeah. six, the finale, like, pretty mm. recently. Mm-hmm. So I'm still processing that. But I, I hear your guys' praise, and I understand it, and I think I'll probably arrive at the same place when I've had some mm-hmm. more time to think about the show. But I did really enjoy it. It's very funny. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot going on, which we're going to get into, I think. I mean, to be fair, like, I'm kind of showcasing my bias here. But, like, once we got to episode four and after watching episode four, like, I had made up my mind already, right? That, for me, was, like, kind of the height of the season, I think. And speaking in the hyperboles, Jeff is also. That was, like, the pinnacle. That was one of the best hours of TV. It's not even an hour. It's, like, 40 minutes or whatever of TV I've seen this year because it's so creative the fact that it's split into two parts that both work together so well and both are just absurd and genius. I haven't seen something like this all year. The episodes are not that long, like you said, Derek. I think yeah. some of them are only like half an hour. Some of them are 40 minutes. The first one's the longest, I think, is at an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you're selling it to people, you got to tell them like, I don't know, like it's kind of a mix between a social experiment, sketch comedy, and like a meta commentary about filmmaking and entertainment, I feel. Like, how Mm -hmm. else are you going to talk about this show? It's just wild. It goes into, like, the ethics of creating art, making movies and TV shows, and especially, like, reality TV. And it just really isn't afraid of getting into the muck of sketchy things that people do to create these shows. I think a huge part of this show is the discussion of whether things are real or fake yes on the show where people are like uh are these like real people or like are nathan's reactions real you know but i feel like some of that is missing the point i think a lot of it is missing the point yeah but i think if we're going to talk about it we should talk about it. so i think spoilers free from here on out Do you guys want to just get in yeah it? yeah let's get into some of these moments and like yeah I, I think if you haven't seen the rehearsal yet um we all really liked it Go watch it and then come back and listen to the episode because, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about spoilers here. Okay, um, so I'll just start off with, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, to Jeff's point earlier, though, like, I've been contemplating, like, what this show is to me. It's a mix of docu-series, reality, but then also, like, scripted, right? And it plays really loosely with what it is at times. I mean, for me, that's one of the strengths of the show. But at the same time, I can see how someone might think like, well, 
it's kind of manipulative, right? Of like the people or the situations that he's trying to create. There are points where like the actors are in on it. I can't believe that these are like all natural reactions or moments from the actors, right? Unless that's how you guys read it. I think some of the actors are in on it some of the time and yeah. some of the time they're not. And yeah, I did read a review from uh, Alan Sepinwall on the show and he was saying the last episode made him uncomfortable. We'll talk about the yeah. last episode. But mm-hmm. I read that review too. The brilliant thing he says is that like the show is almost critic proof or analysis proof in a way because you never really can nail down what is or was real or was not real. Mm-hmm. And so you'll just keep kind of spinning your wheels and going in circles. And it's very hard to like nail him down and say, oh, you did this. It's like, well, did he? If you don't really know what was acting and what wasn't, if you don't know what was real and what wasn't, you can never really indict him for anything, really. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that the fluidity kind of gives him a lot of freedom here to get away with or not yeah. get away with certain things. <laughs> Again, we don't really ever know. So I think we should talk a little bit about how the show kind of spirals out of control. I think a lot of this is like this, Derek, you said it's like this manipulation from Nathan Fielder. So he's like this puppet master and he's putting all these pieces in place to help these people or have them go through these experiences to prepare them for like a real life experience. The show slowly goes from him being puppet master and manipulator to him losing control of the simulation, as you would say, right? Mm -hmm. And then by the last episode, it's completely fucked. It's totally fucked over. Yeah. And I took a bunch of screenshots of fucking hilarious tweets about the rehearsal that I just want to read out loud. So there's one Twitter user called Olive Jams. They wrote, Watching episodes two to three of rehearsal. I wonder if this is going to mess any of these kids up. Watching episode six. Oh, no. (laughs) 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 And then someone else said, the best summary of season one of the rehearsal from Reddit. I don't know if I just watched art being made or a crime being committed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we haven't really given like the hardcore, like actual premise of the show. So like the first episode really sets it up well, right? It's the idea, I guess maybe the original idea Nathan Fielder had was to create a show where he would help people rehearse an event, some kind of thing. Like the first episode, it's about a guy who wants to basically come clean about a lie to one of his trivia mates, right? What Nathan Fielder does is that he recreates the bar that they have trivia so that he can practice telling his trivia mate, hey, I've been lying this whole time. I don't actually have a, what is it, a master's degree or whatever the lie was. I think the first episode is actually like perfect because it's Mm -hmm. such like weird, intimate stakes Yes. With this, like, super peculiar guy. His name's Cor Skeet. And he basically, like you said, Derek, he wants to come clean to this trivia partner that, you know, he does, like, bar trivia. And he wants to come clean. Like, he lied about getting a master's degree. Which is, like, such a nothing thing to, like, admit to. Who actually even cares about that? But he's clearly, like, hung up over this thing. So Mm -hmm. he reaches out to Nathan to rehearse admitting or copying to this lie to his trivia mate. But I think that's like a perfect introduction to this show because there's a lot of things that Nathan can control. Like you said, he rebuilds the alligator lounge, which is fucking hilarious, right? Like yeah. he even gets and like he the hires chairs, a bunch of actors and stuff. The yeah. actors. And he makes like the same rips in the seat as mm-hmm. like the one in the actual bar. 
um, is fucking hilarious. So some of the humor in the first episode comes from, like, the absurdity of the stakes and the mm-hmm. weirdness of the principal character's core and his uh, friend that he wants to confess to um, and the weirdness of the scenario. But, of course, a lot of the humor comes from the ridiculous lengths to which Nathan is going, right? It's not just yes. the premise. It's also how he expands the premise again and again and again. So in order to get a rehearsal with more fidelity to the real world, he goes to the absurd lengths to recreate the bar. He hires an actor to act out the part of the friend to whom Korskeet is um, doing his confession. He hires uh, someone to do that. And in order for her to give a performance of verisimilitude, she has to meet the actual person who she's impersonating. And <laughs> he has to have a lie in place so that she can go meet this person under another pretense. And then, you know, all these different things get introduced. Core becomes uh, nervous in the confession if the trivia isn't going right. So Nathan has to conspire to find a way to introduce the answers to him. Oh my god, so good. Without knowing that he's cheating. It was fucking hilarious. One of the funniest things I've ever seen I've my seen. wife is so funny. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Incredible. So we started going on daily walks just to chat about life. But I was actually using these casual strolls to covertly implant every single trivia answer into Core's brain without him knowing. If you ever need to get in, the code is 1789. Okay. Like the year the French Revolution started? Yes. 1789. So I'm not a big summer person. Uh-huh. And I'm not a big oh, shit. I'm spring person. All over my DKNY pants. Donna Karen, New York, DKNY. Only in New York. <laughs> Building's looking pretty tall. It is tall, but it's not the tallest building in the world. That would be the Burj Khalifa in Dubai. The Burj Khalifa? Huh. Yep. The Burj Khalifa. Tallest building. What's going on here? It's a hostage situation. Guys, four people at gunpoint. Shot someone in the head on his way in. Oh my god, that's nuts. Oh my gosh. See, it's days like these that I curse the Chinese for inventing gunpowder. Wow. That's crazy. Oh my god. Good luck to you, sir. Good luck with the whole process. Oh, my God. The prayers with the family. At that point, the premise of the show seems to be that Nathan is going to use these elaborate rehearsals that he's going to set up with actors and replicas of the places where the person is going to do whatever difficult task they're rehearsing for. He's going to use this intense attention to detail to help these people with these rehearsals of difficult things they're going to do in their life. And that seems to be the premise of the show at first. But by episode two, it's almost already out the window, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because episode two introduces the character of Angela, right? Who wants to rehearse basically having a child. And then so Nathan does this rehearsal where he's going to hire different aged kids to play her kid throughout the years, right? I think it's like every three days, this kid is going to age three years. So he's up until they're 18. It's a, basically a two-month-long simulation of parenting yes. for this extremely Christian woman named Angela. And I think she's, like, in her 40s, right? So, yeah, like you said, the whole deal is that they're going to simulate a kid growing up from newborn to age 18 in the span of two months. Mm-hmm. And just the conceit and mechanics of it is, like, fucking hilarious. Because, like, the kids are swapped out every few days for an older version. Yeah, and then, like, every... Four hours they have to swap out the kid because, like, kids can't act more than yeah. four hours or whatever. Yeah, the, or again, the kids so, like, aren't allowed to work evenings due to, like, yeah. child labor laws. So each night, the baby or the kid is, like, swapped out through the window. And at first, like, when they begin, they're swapped out with, like, a robot baby <laughs> in a crib that cries all the time. Yeah. 
Dude, it's wild shit. It's so fucking crazy. But, like, just to rewind a little bit, I was taken aback a little bit when I first watched episode two because it seemed like we were setting up this long-term rehearsal that I didn't really want from the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because I had such a fun time with Core Skeet and his, like, trivia stuff that I was kind of hoping that each episode would be, like, a brand new quirky, weird person with yes. weird neuroses and hang-ups that would be drawn into, like, Nathan's insane <laughs> scheming. But now that I've watched it without that expectation, I think I've come to appreciate this episode and, like, all the other ones a lot more. Yeah, like, I remember watching episode two and I was like, oh, they didn't actually, like, end this rehearsal, so it's going to keep going. And then, like, episode three, like, they do introduce a new rehearsal, but then also still focus on the Angela rehearsal. And then, like, by episode four, you realize, like, this is the season, right? It's about this child-rearing rehearsal where, you know, spoilers, he inserts himself later as, like, the father figure to her, like, mother figure. Yeah. But the setup of that is insane, too, right? Because cause Angela wants a partner, right? Like, a romantic mm-hmm. partner to raise the kid with her. And Nathan finds this guy named Robin. And at first, I'm like, oh, Robin's definitely an actor. Because, like... This guy seems normal. He seems like a sweet dude, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. he's setting him up with Angela. But then, like, he turns out to be this crazy numerology-obsessed weirdo. That I was like, all right, there's no way this dude is, like, acting. This is, like, a real person. And then, like, if you go to Google and, like, look all these people up, plenty of evidence that these are all real people. Like, Korskeet's a real person. Mm -hmm. That lady's, like... Cheap Chick in the City blog, that's, like, a real thing, too, you know, from episode one. Yeah. And then Robin's a real person, too. There are plenty of people who are like, oh, this dude's, like, number obsessed. Yeah, he's got old Facebook posts about crashing his car. Uh, his Scion TC at 100 his miles an hour. TC at 100 miles <laughs> yeah. an hour, exactly. <laughs> he's like, you don't need a license plate to drive. <laughs> that's what he says. Okay, but to your point, though, earlier, Jeff, as the season went on, I was like, the first episode just seems so disparate compared to yeah, everything else. Sure. And like, for the longest time, I didn't understand it. And then by episode six, and like, this is kind of to your point, like, I understood that it's part of the manipulation, right? Like, that's what you expected out of the first episode. It was to like, hey, we're going to have each episode, we're going to deal with this new rehearsal. And then it turns into this almost like serialized rehearsal where like you get invested in, you know, Angela's journey and then Nathan's journey. And then by episode six, like the kid's journey, like it's it turns into something else that like, like you said, Jeff, I wasn't expecting. But I think it's so much better than what I originally wanted, I guess, maybe from the show. I totally agree. I think the first episode by far is probably the funniest. Yes. I think, like, in terms of pure humor, I laugh the mm-hmm. most. Like Amir said, this uh, trivia answer inception thing is so fucking funny. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, so part of the episode is also that Nathan wants to rehearse him giving the spiel and everything to Skeet. So he hires an actor to play Skeet so that he uh-huh. can, like, rehearse approaching Skeet with this rehearsal premise and stuff. And then... My favorite moments at the end is like when he has to confess that he lied about the trivia. Yeah, planting the answers to the trivia. Yeah. And then it cuts to the actor who plays Skeet and he's like, 
dude, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, that's the funniest moment to me. That moment is so good. Yeah, it was uh, really yeah, funny. I agree. The first episode, I think, is the funniest. And you guys remember, I texted you guys, right? In our text chain after yeah. the first episode. I was like, I really like the first episode, but I don't know how he's going to keep this up. I don't know how it's going to not just kind of get very like Nathan for you, where it's the same premise. It gets kind of old by like season two or three right kind of the same thing but i think he took his experience from nathan for you and like up the notch a little bit and i think he's probably learned from that and like now created this docu-series like it's so weird like i can't i can't describe it yeah yeah i can't nail it down okay so that's episode two and kind of three right I think episode three is one of my favorites, actually. Really? Oh, well, I think okay. that's yeah. the one I kind three, of... Then. Yeah. What did you love about three? Yeah. I think in this episode, we kind of split our time between, like, a standalone rehearsal and now Nathan's new role as Angela's, quote-unquote, pretend husband, right? I think the playing house stuff is mostly secondary in this one, but it's got some great bits in building Angela's character and how loony religious she is. Nathan's, like, mm-hmm. dressing up his fake son as Batman and Robin. Uh, for Halloween, and and Adam the kid says he wants Angela to dress up as Batman's mommy, Catwoman, which I thought was funny. And then Angela's like, "I don't celebrate Halloween; it's the highest satanic holiday," which fucking cracked me up too. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Google. Google it, Google it. But then Google's also owned by Satan or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's so yeah. weird. But the main rehearsal of the episode is this guy named Patrick, and he wants to work through talking to his brother about getting his fair share of his inheritance after his grandfather's death. So the grandfather stipulated in his will that Patrick could get his inheritance, but not if he was with a gold digger. And Patrick's brother, who's the will's executor, thinks his current girlfriend is with him only for the money and refuses to give it to him. And another thing I liked about this episode is, like, in episode one, Nathan details, like, how he painstakingly recreated the alligator lounge for Korsky's yeah. rehearsals. And I know, Derek, you brought this up because you fucking love Raising Canes. But, um, I don't love Raising one, Canes, I just recognize it. <laughs> but in this one, it's just like, matter of fact, that the rehearsal takes place in a replica Raising Canes restaurant. Yeah. But they never mention that shit, like, once. It just is. It's just a replica and, like... Yeah. With actors in it, and he never brings it up once on, like, how he made the restaurant or anything like that. Sorry, was this the episode also where he's like, I got sad, so I brought the bar to me? Was it this episode? Was that this episode? I think that was, might be the next one. I found that was the funniest moment, too. He's like, yeah, I just, you know, use HBO's money to ship this whole bar to me. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I think Nathan Fielder single-handedly bankrupting HBO. That's why everything is fucking going under. <laughs> mm, but yeah, I think that explains it's it. It's his fault Batgirl's canceled? No. <laughs> yeah. Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> so Patrick tells his fake actor brother that Nathan hired that his girlfriend is the opposite of a gold digger. And he's like, she's pretty much a Jew. You know how Jews are. <laughs> and Nathan's like, uh, that's anti-Semitic. But then he decides to keep it in for like authenticity, which I found so fucking funny. So yeah, but clause. that's if she was a gold digger, but she's not. She's a penny pincher. She's a Jew about it, pretty much. If I, you know, and you, you know how the Jews are, kind of thing. She's just penny pinches, and she's not one to hurt me in that. Yeah, and I'm trying to just yeah. calibrate because to me, it's like, oh, well, that's an anti-Semitic okay, stereotype. I you. Okay, um, I got you. You know, but um, it is a personal conversation with you and your brother, and I do want you to be yourself. 
Yeah, my brother would say a similar thing. It would work. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, so. like, oh, you know, don't be so Jewish, like to me on things. Yeah, I mean, if that's yeah, how yeah. you communicate, I don't want um, you to use language yeah, no, you, that wouldn't um, be effective. The best part of the episode is that Nathan realizes that the rehearsals that he's doing are like missing the emotional component, like how mm-hmm. Korskeet perfected his rehearsals, but when it came time to like actually come clean he froze up in the heat of the moment yeah so this is the absolute wildest shit in episode three which makes me love it so like to replicate quote unquote the feeling of someone who's holding an inheritance from him all right you're gonna just fucking bear with me this is fucking insane like i don't even know if people can follow this but like nathan gets the actor playing patrick's brother to ask patrick out of character whether he can help move this generator at his grandfather's farm but the guy who's playing his brother has to leave early. So this fake grandpa, who's also an actor, pretends to curse out his fake grandson and asks Patrick if he can stay and help find buried gold in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> and Patrick helps him. But the catch is that in a week, Nathan's going to tell Patrick that this grandpa has died of a heart attack. Yeah, and that grandpa at the end of like hunting, right? It promises him like, "Hey, I'll write you in my will," right? Isn't that what he says? Yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, or like, yeah. "I'll give you some of this money." Yeah, and then so before they can do their last like rehearsal in the Raising Canes, the actor playing Patrick's brother is gonna say he doesn't want to give Patrick the gold because of the knowledge <laughs> he has about Patrick's girlfriend being a gold digger. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> so insane so the most insane part about it is that it kind of works yeah so patrick um ends up in a fight with the actor playing his brother because the actor playing his brother keeps calling his girlfriend a gold digger (laughs) (laughs) in order to elicit this emotional reaction (laughs) to prepare him for the rehearsal that they're about to do so that he can confront his real brother and so then like they're sort of having this disagreement about it and Nathan cuts them off and tells them they need to start filming the rehearsal. So they start doing the rehearsal, and Patrick has, like, a genuine emotional breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's wild. I feel like that's 100% real, yeah. right? Because yeah. he leaves mm-hmm. the show, and he never comes back. So I feel like that emotional breakthrough that he has on the show is real. And that's, I feel like, something you can never actually choreograph or like act through i mean who knows i mean who knows knows, right right? that's the genius of the show maybe like he got someone who's so good at acting the stuff that like every last bit of this whole show is scripted you just can't fucking tell but there's a a spectrum for the show where like you could say that everything in it is as real as it appears to be, or everything is completely scripted and everyone knows everything, right? Mm-hmm. You could defend both of those extremes, or maybe the show is somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you could say that for any single scenario. It's wild. Yeah, that episode's absolutely nuts. Yeah, I was surprised you said you really liked three, Jeff, because I really did think four was like... I mean, I think four, five, and six are mostly about Nathan's own, like, embedding into the situation where he plays... Mm-hmm. The dad in Angela's rehearsal, right? That's really five and six. Four? He's still okay, sort yeah, of yeah, pretending yeah. that he's doing the rehearsal for her, right? Yeah. So in yeah. four, he's trying to recruit actors to act in the rehearsals. And so in order to get them to be able to perform as he wants, he constructs something called the Fielder Method, 
which, which is, is fucking his, hilarious too. Which is his <laughs> acting method of like somebody following around their quote unquote primary, the person who they're supposed to be playing the role of in the rehearsal, and duplicating their life exactly so they can replicate it for the rehearsals, basically. Mm-hmm. So he trains these groups of actors in the fielder method, but <laughs> he thinks that his training isn't going as well as it could. So he does another rehearsal for himself. Mm-hmm. Where he hires a group of actors to play the actors he was training in the fielder method. And then <laughs> he hires an actor to play himself, and then he plays one of the people in the class. Thomas. Yeah, a real guy <laughs> named Thomas, yes. right? <laughs> yes. So he plays so he, Thomas. Yeah. And so as he's encouraging the students at the first class to do the fielder method, he's doing the fielder method on Thomas by constructing another version of the class for him to live through the way Thomas did. And by emulating everything in Thomas's life, the way Thomas yeah. is emulating his primary. It's just like multiple levels. It's like fucking a Baratroska doll or some shit. It's fucking insane. <laughs> like the craziest part to me was that to really ingratiate yourself with your host or whatever you want to call it, he gets them jobs at these people's jobs, right? Like Thomas's person he's following works at a Sahi place that makes Asahi bowls. So he gets Thomas a job at that same place so that he can kind of learn how it feels to be this person, right? But then uh-huh. to go down the rabbit hole even more, Nathan's like, well, I need to get into the mind of Thomas. So he then makes himself start working at an Asahi place, the same place, but a different location. And then he convinces Thomas to be like, hey, to really get into the mind of this person who you found out lives with his bandmates, I'm going to get you an apartment so that you can live with them and pretend you're this person that's part of this band while I, playing you, like he doesn't tell Thomas this. <laughs> I'm going to live in your place. Yeah. Lives as Thomas at his place. Like, but he doesn't say this. He says, oh, I'll like water your plants for you. Yeah. It's fucking insane. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not even the end of it, right? Because then the actor who's playing Nathan for the second rehearsal class does the same thing to Nathan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just so many it's levels. fully insane. Like, to tell you this, this is only the first half of this episode. And to get into the second half, you know, this idea of rehearsing and, like, practicing and kind of being able to, like, revisit things really heavily plays into the second half of this show, right? Because to do this you know, fielder method. He has to go to LA where, you know, like a lot of actors are and he goes there for like a week or two or something he says. But by the time he gets back, because it's been like two weeks, the child of Adam, right, has aged up. You know, I think he started at six when he left and by the time he gets back, he's like 15. He's like a teenager. Yeah, he's like a teenager, Uh right? So like, you know, when he comes back, the teenager's like, oh, hey dad, what's up? You know, I haven't seen you in a while. And he's like, oh, you want to give me a hug? And then then Nathan Fielder's like, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. He breaks character. Yeah. Like, let's break character. And like, how would you actually feel about this, right? Like, as a person. So he's like, let's do it again. And then like, the second time around, the kid's resentful because technically his dad's been gone for nine years and just shows up and says hi, right? Nathan's like, you should lash out at me and be like resentful yeah. because I'm like mm-hmm. an absentee father. And, like, maybe develop a drug problem or something. Yeah, he develops a drug problem. It's really crazy because, you know, it ties into Angela's past, who also did a lot of drugs and, like, drinking when she was young. It's really interesting to see her try to give advice based on what she did when she was young. But then, like, 
this spirals out of control where this kid has an fake OD in his room. Nathan is crying his eyes out because he has no idea what to do. His child is overdosing. The best way to explain it is like this insane Oscar bait performance by yeah Nathan Fielder where he's like cradling his dying son who's fucking overdosing and foaming at the mouth, which is obviously yeah. fake. Fake, uh, yeah. Right? And then to put the cherry on top, the emergency responders that carry his fake son out on the stretcher is played by Thomas and another Fielder Method guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was very funny. The actor playing Adam is fucking great, too. Yes. Because he has this one delivery where, like, after Nathan tells him, like, oh, you need to be resentful, you need to fucking hate me when I come back because I've been gone for so long. He's, like, sitting at the dinner table, and he's like, dude, you're a disaster, my guy, which is so fucking funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a, like, Gen Z type thing to say. I thought it was fucking hilarious. What, are you going to go to the cops and tell them? No, that's why I'm talking to you about it now. Adam. I'm not a snitch. You're a fucking disaster, my guy. Well, I love it also, like, the point where he says, what's your name? He's like, I'm Adam. He doesn't know to break character yet. And he's like, oh, okay, now I can break character. That's like how committed he was to the role at first. So like, then he really dives into this whole like drug addict role. When they wheel him away, he like pulls the needles away and he runs away. And then like Nathan's like looking for him all night. And then Nathan plants this idea to Angela like early in the episode. Like, hey, do you mind if like we go back, right? Can we take Adam, the character of Adam back to six years old since I miss so much of his life and I'd like to be there for that? This whole idea of like, he breaks his rules again, right? And, like, mm-hmm. he finds the 15-year-old version of Adam. And, like, he's at a playground drinking and smoking it up with these other teens. And then he, like, slides down the slide. And then what comes out is a six-year-old Adam, right? So it's like he rewound time. I'm going to take this over again and, like, be this dad to this six-year-old Adam so he doesn't turn out like this drug addict. And I was just like, what are we watching here? I was actually really touched by that moment where like, yeah, you know, something like real parents, you can't do that. You can't turn back time. Mm-hmm. But then like, you know, as like a dad myself to be able to like, you don't rewind screw time, up, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And like, just be able to rewind time and like, get a younger version of your kid back is like, I think maybe something that all parents maybe dream of. And like, mm-hmm. I-, I was actually really touched by that. But then like, it's so fucking funny because then Josh, who's the kid yeah. who plays teenage Adam, you can see him like climbing out the back of the slide once the little switcheroo happens when uh, they do the trick where he becomes a six-year-old. So it like totally breaks the illusion, which is fucking hilarious too. This goes back to like we were saying, what is reality versus what is scripted, right? Because episode two really sets up this premise as these kids are supposed to be switched out every so hours. And, like, there's supposed to be a robot at night. But the thing is, what we see isn't that, right? By, like, this episode, like, Josh is really only played by one actor. You know, we never see him switch out anymore. It's always this Joshua actor now, right, who's playing Adam. And then even, like, you know, getting to episode six, the main focus is about the Remy actor, right? Mm -hmm. And no other, you know, six-year-old Adam actor. Well, there are a bunch of other six-year-old Adam actors. Remy's not supposed to be there, which is like the whole point of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like seeing Joshua come out of the slide and be like, are we done? That also breaks the illusion where like, it's really borderline between, is he really trying to capture like real emotions and like real scenarios? Or is this all really scripted, right? A moment like that is just so scripted. You do really get pulled out. I think that's part of the genius. But then also I think what's, part of the struggle when some people watch this show 
is it real or is it not real, right? Like, we've been talking about this. Is this real or not real? Where, like, he doesn't stay to Elaine, right? Where, like, clearly him coming out of the slide and saying, like, oh, are we done? Is not real. Because someone had to tell him, like, hey, you've got to go down the slide, but the other kid is going to come down. I mean, they could have edited that shit together. I still don't think that matters yet. Yeah. I think it's the next episode where the real versus unreal really starts to – because at this point, we're still going along with the conceit that Nathan is doing all of this in order to get a good rehearsal for Angela, right? Mm -hmm. And that he's working a job, right? Yeah. And that this isn't about him. Yeah. We're still kind of on that train. Right. And I think it's the next episode where things really, really change. Right. Yeah. I don't want to recap too much of the episodes, but like episode five is like when his relationship with Angela implodes. Right. Because Mm -hmm. he wants to raise Adam to at least dabble in the Jewish faith since he's Jewish. But it really like bristles against Angela's fervent Christian upbringing. So like their whole relationship explodes over this, uh, Conflict about um, how to raise their fake son. Yeah. yeah. And then she decides to quit the rehearsal because she thinks it's becoming more about Nathan than about her. Mm-hmm. And I think she also has some concerns over how she's being portrayed on the show. Yeah. Perhaps, right? So this episode is really where the lines start to get blurred between like, wait, why exactly is Nathan Fielder doing this? Yeah, because at the end, Angela's not even there anymore. She's gone. So like, who's this for, right? The obvious answer is that it's for him and that maybe it's always been for him, right? Like, why would you even come up with the idea of rehearsing things like this as a way to game out social interactions beforehand unless you thought it was a viable thing to do for yourself, right? Like, just the fact that you would come up with this for a solution means that you have this problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, by the way, the actress that plays fake Angela is incredible. Yeah, she's so good. She's so fucking good. She really captures... Like, every little aspect of the real Angela. Also, she was in the last episode, too, because she was one of the Fielder Method actresses. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Yep, yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah, I recognize yeah. her face. Absolutely. And she's incredible. I do think we have to talk about the final episode, though, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yes. Okay, so let's not recap five in detail, although I think we've done, we've yeah, done yeah, a yeah. detailed job on all the others. Yeah. Let's get into six. So, dude, episode six fucked me up. Let me try and be brief in the synopsis here. So Nathan stages a birthday party for his fake son, Adam. Uh, and Adam's supposed to be turning nine. But one of the actors who played Adam at age six, Remy, starts becoming attached to Nathan and is calling him daddy, even after the scenes are over. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so the episode is about him trying to disentangle from Remy's life, like understanding that this is inappropriate and trying to disentangle that. And then in the back half, he starts doing rehearsals to rehearse how he could have avoided this original mistake of Remy kind of bonding too closely with him. So Remy's emotional entanglement that he has with Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. So Remy's a child actor and he's like just young enough that he doesn't really quite understand the difference between play and reality. And he's being raised by a single mother, so he doesn't have a dad in his life. And he's getting to a point in his life where he's realizing, you know, his family is different from other families, and he's missing a dad, and he really wants a dad and a father figure. And Nathan was that to him while they were playing these roles of father and son. And so, yeah, he becomes a bit too attached. 
And so Nathan has to sort of distance himself. Dude, I literally teared up watching this episode, actually. Just from, like, Remy's mom explaining the whole situation to Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's yeah. super sad, right? It's incredibly like, fucked up. Yeah, Remy's upset, right? And at first I thought it was like, oh, you know, just kids being kids. Like, he doesn't want to leave this fun job or whatever. But then it becomes clear that he really doesn't want to leave this reality where Nathan is his dad, right? Remy's mom, like, explains that, like, her son's grown up without a dad and, like, playing Adam has gotten into his head and like Remy's like referring to Fielder as like his pretend daddy and that he tells his mom that he loves him and like this is another thing was like I feel like this is a thousand percent real either that or like Remy's literally the best child actor I've ever seen in my fucking life <laughs> right yeah 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 there's no way that this part's not somewhat real yeah, yeah. because Remy is like not even six when the show is being shot. I think he turned six now. Mm. Like, just a couple of days ago, his grandma treated, like, Remy just turned six and he's doing fine or something. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I think for me, the moment that was really tender and, like, felt the most real also was when Nathan was, like, talking to the mom and she's like, he'll be okay. And then Nathan's like, how do you know? How do you actually know? And then she's like, I'm a parent. I, I just know. He himself is not a father, right? He himself can't seem to grasp her sincerity of the moment, her actually believing that he'll be all right. Like, he just can't feel it, I think, in himself that Remy's actually going to be all right. That was a very, like, uh, a real moment for me, I think, watching this whole thing kind of unfold in that last episode. And so, like, this isn't just a one-way thing, right? He's clearly been down attached to this boy because he's- Yes. He creates a whole rehearsal for how he could have not done this, right? So Mm -hmm. he's clearly also super affected here. And there's been this whole through line in the show of the character of Nathan just being a little off and not really being able to relate to people. It's yeah. not like hidden or anything. It's, it, it's quite in your face that this is a guy who has difficulty with social interaction, uh, difficulty like relating to his emotions, difficulty relating to people. He has to use the rehearsals in order to interact with people properly for their rehearsal mm-hmm. you already kind of mentioned like the second half turns into him rehearsing like how he could have prevented this right so he takes on the mother role he becomes the single mother and like he has this weird mirror where like when he looks at himself he looks like a woman he paints his nails the same way the mother does he has like the hand tattoo the same way the mother does and then like he gets into this rhythm of well let me try this i'm gonna be the first one to admit i love this show but I'm curious to hear what you guys think about, like, the actual ending, right? Where he, in a way, breaks character without breaking character, right? He's like, I love you, you know, and I'm your dad. He says, like, I'm your dad. The actor's like, don't you mean mom? And he's like, no, I'm your dad. What does that all mean to you guys? Yeah, it's clearly like a a turning point for Nathan, the character Mm -hmm. on the rehearsal, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I thought it was very touching, right? I, yeah. I, I thought it was, like, the whole thing is incredibly bizarre. I don't really know what I just watched. Yeah. But, um, it was very funny. You know, we're focusing, I guess, on the emotional aspect of it, but it was a very funny episode of TV. I laughed a lot at this one mm-hmm. and also very tender, very sad. I will say like the ending for me, it's a little bit of a struggle of like, cause I've struggled like all season with this idea of sincerity versus is this just for good TV? You know, in a way, like, are you creating something to be entertaining? Because he does say, like, I'm your dad. Well, you're not really his dad. Like, you're playing his dad trying to play his mom, I guess. And, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to believe that last scene, to be completely fair and completely honest. 
I don't know if I was like touched by it or if I was just really taken out by it, though. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in a way, moment. there's no moment, right? This isn't Nathan Fielder, yeah. the guy who made the show, right? This is Nathan Fielder yeah. playing an actor also named Nathan Fielder, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Right? Like the whole time. This is not like clearly this isn't Nathan Fielder, the guy. But there are real people in this show and their emotions are real, I think, to some extent. Yeah. In that final scene, so, like, he has this other kid play the fake Remy, right? Because he's trying to figure mm-hmm. out what went wrong with the real Remy. And like you said, Derek, he's playing the single mom, Remy's mom. Mm-hmm. He reassures fake Remy that he's his dad, right? And the kid's yeah. like, I thought you were my mom. There's, like, a whole bunch of meaning behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's what you're trying to get at. I think there's this look on Fielder's face when the kid says that this look of satisfaction on his face. But then when he hugs him, there's like this other look, which is like a little harder to parse, a little more difficult to parse. And I feel like at that moment, maybe he feels a little empty inside. I don't know. Like there's just something else there. Yes. It's not like there's no humor in this either. Cause there's a lot of funny shit in this episode too. Cause before he pretends to be Remy's mom, he thinks where he could have gone wrong with hiring child actors. First, he does it, like, where he's less emotionally attached, where, like, mm-hmm. the kids try and give him a hug. It's like, oh, you're a big boy. You don't give me hugs anymore. And see if that actually, like, gets them to be less attached. And then another thing is, like, he has, like, grown teenagers play, like, these yeah. toddlers, which is so fucking funny. That was hilarious. It's, like, really creepy, too. I started like, yeah, laughing. Walking yeah. in, like... Oh, I, like, love I love you, you daddy. daddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the little bit where, like, the actor breaks character, and you see him from, like, inside the house, out the window, <laughs> and he's, smoking. like, in the little kid, <laughs> in the little kid outfit with a wig, and he's just, like, fucking smoking a cigarette. I just thought it was so fucking funny. Yeah. It's a lot of funny shit in this episode. And then he even talks to Angela, right? Oh, what if Angela had stayed? Would that have helped Remy not be as attached? So he goes to Angela to try and get closure on their relationship and it's pretty heartwarming actually because she's like oh i forgive you but the show definitely doesn't let you forget that she's still like this ultra religious nutter right mm-hmm. it's like oh as jesus says all is forgiven i forgive you 70 times 7 77 times 7 nathan Fielder's like what are you talking about <laughs> you know <laughs> To be fair, some of this is his ignorance of, like, religion, though, right? I guess, but, like, maybe it's my ignorance. What does that yeah. even mean, though, you know? It's about forgiveness, right? And forgiving mm-hmm. other people and how you're supposed to extend that spirit or whatever. I think it's a pretty well-known biblical verse. So, I mean, I do agree that she does get the sort of edit being a yeah. religious extremist or something. But I don't think this was extreme. For most part. Their final encounter is is mostly heartwarming, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I mean, it's already been announced there will be a season two, right? Like, this was successful enough. I mean, I guess because this is an HBO property, it was never really in too much danger like all the other Discovery stuff we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. But it has been announced that there is a season two. And, like, my first reaction was, like, where does he go from here? What is season two? I think part of me kind of, like, doesn't want a season two just because I don't want it to be the same. I don't want it to get stale. Like, I thought this was a really, like, clever and insightful look in someone's psyche in a way. 
that I, I don't know if we need a season two, but like, hey, man, I enjoyed this so much. I'll take it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the big debate around this show is like how ethical it is. Um, yeah. And I didn't really buy into this whole, oh, what he's doing is unethical and he's like hurting people. Maybe until the final episode where it became clear like he actually almost ruined Remy's life, right? Uh, <laughs> justice yeah. for Remy. Um, <laughs> but like up until then, I was like, who's he really hurting? I mean, first of all, all these people, whether they're actors or not, you know, people like Korski, Angela, at least to some extent, they consented to being on this show. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the show, I think, is about how you would behave when the camera's on you. I yeah. feel. Because a lot of people act differently. Well, he has that moment in episode four, right? He's like, oh, but things changed when I realized I was being filmed by, like, HBO cameras. And, like, he, like, looks directly at the camera, right? He, he, he right, breaks the, right, like, right. one cardinal rule about acting, like, don't look at the camera. Like, he does. You're right. Like, that's part of the narrative. We're trying to capture something, but then is it entirely genuine when you know you have, like, cameras on you, right? Like, that's what reality TV has always been. Like, in this idea of, like, scripted versus, like, not scripted, or, like, reality versus scripted, it's, like, that's what reality TV is, right? Like, reality TV over the years has become less reality and more edits and cuts and, like, a narrative that someone is trying to produce versus what a documentary is supposed to do and trying to capture maybe, like, a moment. Yeah. As it is. All I'm going to say is, though, like, if there's going to be a season two, Nathan Fielder, if you're hearing this, I would love to practice my wedding. I'd love to rehearse my wedding. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Can you imagine him hiring, like, a hundred something people to be, like, at a fake wedding? (laughs) All right. Don't take this the wrong way, Derek, but I think you would be fucking hilarious on the rehearsal. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I just get the feeling that you would be fucking hilarious on the show. I would take it as a compliment. I will take it as a compliment. I don't even know what that means, but I just know that I would be thoroughly entertained by you on the rehearsal. I'm all for it. I will petition Nathan Fielder myself. But yeah, I think. Um, I'm just going to repeat myself. Like, I thought this was super creative, super inventive, super unique. One of my favorite things I've seen this year. And if we haven't convinced you, maybe we're doing something wrong. Because, like, I really, really want more people to watch this. Just because it was really hard for me to find people to talk about this with. You know, no one I really knew watched it. I know. This podcast is a way for us to find people to, like, talk to these things about. Because we all agreed to watch this and really wanted to talk about it. I was so into it, and then, like, I was trying to get Ashley to watch. She watched most of it, but then she was like, oh, I'm not really into it. I was like, how can you not be into this? This is, like, some of the most fascinating shit I've ever seen in my life. Not to exaggerate, (laughs) but... Yeah, I was watching the first episode, and I was just, like, cackling. And then my fiancé comes over and is like, what are you watching? And I explained it to her, and she's like, that's so dumb. (laughs) Rolled her eyes and, like, walked away. Like, she did not want to watch this to me. But, like, dude, it's so funny. So good. Yeah, and there's, like, a lot to it we haven't... Like, we've been kind of rambling on about it, but, like... Yeah. There's so much more that we didn't even discuss. There's a whole autism lens to this that we haven't talked about at all, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the whole child abuse. Maybe child abuse is strong. The abuse of children <laughs> in Hollywood. Yeah, the exploitation of children in Hollywood and the exploitation of child actors. Like, there's so many other things that are going on under the surface of the show. 
really a lot to the show. It's very funny. Alyssa Wilkinson at Vox wrote a great piece about. Oh yeah, I read that um, piece. It's the great. Re- yeah, the rehearsal too, where she like dives into some of the like more religious themes of the show, or like, how the coincidences of religion in the show, which was super fascinating. Like I'm not going to go into, but like if you're interested in reading that, I could recommend that article too. It's really interesting. And another film writer that I follow, uh, Esther Rosenfield, wrote about the show, and she's like. Thinking of anything on the rehearsal as quote-unquote real or fake is the exact wrong way to approach the show. Key moment, in my opinion, is when Nathan plays his own acting student and realizes the presence of HBO camera crews, like you said, Derek, mm-hmm. like you mentioned this mm-hmm. before, creates an extreme implicit pressure to perform. Anyway, point being, if you're thinking of the rehearsal in terms of are people on this show secretly actors, what you should be thinking about is are the people depicted on this show behaving differently than they otherwise would because they know they're on television which i think is like a really mm-hmm. fascinating point yeah no that's about, perfect about the show mm-hmm. there's just so many things like you can dissect from this yeah but uh first you gotta watch it so watch it first, first. Gotta watch it. <laughs> so watch everyone it. go watch, watch it. it please and then, uh, yeah yeah reach out to us uh send your questions by email tell us you did go watch the show and liked it because yeah this one's a banger it's really good I mean, I think we've kind of spoken our piece, and that will conclude this episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me rehearsing the rest of my life in meticulous detail so I don't fuck it up. What about you, Derek? <laughs> you can find me at the World's Okayest Photos and Screen Asia's Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, if any of you questions, comments, suggestions about our episode on the rehearsal, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. And I will reply with a petition to get Derek's wedding on <laughs> the next season of the rehearsal. So make sure to sign that and we will send it to Nathan Fielder. Okay, petition so guys- petition.org or whatever. <laughs> yes. We'll see you guys at Derek's fake wedding. Yeah. Uh, that was a good rehearsal, guys. Do you guys want to like actually hit record and do the real thing now? All right. Let's, do this. <laughs> let's get the pod started. Welcome to Strange right, we'll, okay. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys next week.